The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. What do your actions reveal about who you are? And do you like what's coming out of your life and what that means about you? Meaning, do you like what what you're producing and what that shows people about who you are? How how do you really know what's inside of someone? I mean, you're meeting someone for the first time. You're you're doing an interview. You're you're trying to evaluate, you know, your your daughter's boyfriend. And you're trying to decide, like, do I like this? Is this a good person? Or are they not? Should I trust them or not? How do we know? Now, some of you, you've got great intuition. You get that sixth sense. Many of you women out there, you, you just have a good natural read on people. But here's the deal. How do you really know? How do you know if you have a good read? Now, the answer is obvious. I'm not trying to trick you, right? I mean, when you go, see, I told you, right? Because you had a bad feeling about someone. What prompted you to say, see, I told you so? It's because of what they did. Here's the deal. What we do reveals who we are. Our actions expose our heart. And so, you know, if someone is trustworthy, why? Why, when you met them, did you believe they were trustworthy? And what about them makes you believe they're trusted? Well, they keep their word. They showed up on time. They do trustworthy things. They're honorable. They're respectful. They they are accurate in what they say, right? They, They conduct themselves in a trustworthy way. If someone's bad, how do you know they're bad? Because they do bad things. They cheat, they steal, they lie, they break confidence. They're, they're, they're not trustworthy, right? Because they didn't honor their commitment. They made a promise and they didn't keep it. Bad people do bad things. Good people do good things. We know who you are by what you do. Your actions expose your heart, right? Now, Jesus said this, right? I didn't make all this up. <laughs> I actually borrowed it from the words of Jesus, who said it this way in the Gospel of Luke chapter 7. He goes, no good tree bears bad fruit. A a bad vine doesn't produce good grapes. A good tree doesn't, uh, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. How do you know what's in the roots? What comes out in the fruit? How do we know what's in your life? What comes out in the fruit of your life? People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. These didn't come out of a pricker bush. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, It's a saying I give you all the time. And so I'm gonna give it to you right off the bat. What fills, spills. That's right, what fills, spills. What's in the roots comes out in the fruit. If, if there's hurt and hate in you, you become hurtful and hateful. Anger in you, anger and bitterness out of you. Greed in you, you hoard and you keep and you don't share, right? What's in comes out. And, and so how do, you, how do you change what's coming out of you? I mean, let's be honest. Come on, Frederick. Come on, Chambersburg. <laughs> There's no way 
everything coming out of your life is what you want it to be. You slipped and you said something you shouldn't have said. You reacted the wrong way on the road recently. You, you, you took something you shouldn't have. You, you cut a corner. You, you said a little white lie. You reacted in a way you shouldn't have. You, you gave into a desire that you knew shouldn't be uh, given into, right? The point is there's things coming out of us. There's actions coming out of us that expose what's in us, but we don't like it. So how do you change the fruit coming off of the branch? Well, you got to change the roots, yeah, um, how do you do that? Come on, l- let's be honest, right? Like, you can, you can tell a tree by its fruit. How, how, do you change, how do you change an apple tree to produce oranges? You don't. And here's the challenge, right? Every one of us, every one of us have stuff that's come out of us that shouldn't have, that we didn't want coming out of us because it's from what's in us, and we don't even want that in us. This is what Jesus, other authors of the Bible called Sin. It's not the things we do, it's who we are. There is this sin root inside of every one of us that produces sin fruit. Sin, it's a separation from God, being cut off from relationship with God. And as a result, there's this spiritual corruption rooted deep inside of us, growing in us, but it leads not to life, but to death. It leads to not blessing, but cursing. It produces not good, but bad fruit. So anything bad coming out of us, it's from the root of sin. But sin separates us not only from relationship with God, but separates us from relationship with God forever, leading us to an eternity far from God facing the judgment of sin. It's like the bad roots have to be uprooted and thrown away into the fire. Now, this is the bad news. There's good news that God is in the root transplant business. He uproots sin and he transplants it with life. How? Well, that's the message and story of the miracle of Jesus, that God came from heaven to earth because he saw every one of us were corrupted by the root of sin growing in us that would lead to a forever far from him. So he intervened in our life, became one of us to die, to give his life as the payment for our sins. Jesus absorbing our sin judgment when he died on the cross took on our sin shame, our sin guilt. He absorbed our eternal death sentence and he died in our place. But Jesus didn't just die. There was a miracle. There was a a supernatural moment where Jesus physically rose from the dead, alive, victorious over sin, over death, and over eternal judgment so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven and given new and forever life. Right now, if... When you look at your life, you don't always like what's coming out of you. What you need is a root transplant. You, know, you can't just constantly be picking off all the bad fruit. You and I have got to have our roots changed. And Jesus wants to give you a root transplant right now. Remove the sin. Replace it with his forgiveness and forever life. And if you're ready to say yes to Jesus. God, I want you to do that change in my life. I want you to uproot sin, plant your spirit life in me. Would you say yes to Jesus right now? And would you let us know? You can let us know. Scan the QR code that's up on that screen. That's right. We, we want to invite you to respond. Your campus pastor, Pastor Jay, Pastor Nelson, they're going to follow up with you and encourage you as you begin this new journey in relationship with God. I want to 
challenge you and encourage you as you begin a relationship with God. What that means is that you're united in relationship with God. Jesus said it this way. He said, I am the vine. You're the branches. Remain in me and I will remain in you. My love will be in you, which means uh, I've said it for a while. It's It's not about doing, but about being. It's about the roots growing deep in your relationship with God, but something happens. As you focus on being, not doing, being becomes doing. The fruits eventually produce, or the the roots eventually produce fruit. The being produces doing. Jesus said it this way. If we jump ahead to John chapter 15, you've heard me teaching about this. This is is part of Jesus' farewell discourse. After After he washed the disciples' feet, after he led them in the communion meal, he begins to talk to them as he prepares them for him being betrayed and eventually crucified. And he's been talking about how they need to remain in his love, remain, abide in relationship with him. The father's the gardener, He's the vine, we're the branches. He said it this way in John chapter 15, verse five through eight. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He's talking about relationship with God in prayer. And then he concludes this paragraph with this. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Because you know know how God shows off in your life? A whole bunch of fruit. A whole bunch of fruit. And and so what's the key? What's Jesus getting at here? You remain in me and I in you and you will produce fruit. You can't do it. You can't make fruit happen. No, doing, doing is the fruit of becoming. When you connect with Jesus, when you're intimately connected in relationship with God, you just begin to do, which is the fruit of being. You gotta focus on being, not doing. But eventually the doing comes from the being. That's the fruit. That's what comes out of you. God designed you to produce fruit. If you think about this metaphor of Jesus, where he's talking about the relationship between uh, him being the vine, us the branches, the father being the gardener, the vine keeper. What, what he's driving at here is that I, 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 you and I need to be intimately connected to Jesus. We abide in Jesus, in relationship with God. We spend time in prayer. We spend time in his word, not just to read it and memorize it, but so that the word of God gets in us because we need the life of God flowing from our roots that produces fruit. But the most important part is that the life of God is in us. It's like this. Jesus is the living water. Are our roots tapped into the living water of Jesus? Is it flowing in your life? Is there sap flowing from the vine into the branch of your life? Are you connected? If you're connected, you will produce fruit. Now, what does a branch do to produce fruit? Nothing. It just 
exists. It's just is. Now, think about, I had this picture in my mind as I was writing this message. Like I was thinking about like a drill sergeant or some like really overly intense, you know, football coach screaming at the players or like this drill sergeant like yelling in the private's face. And I'm like imagining the vine keeper, the gardener yelling at the branch, produce fruit, produce fruit. Come on, crank out grapes. No, it's, it's, it's laughable. It's absurd. Hopefully you're chuckling. Because you, you could tell, right? It's absurd. No. A healthy vine, Jesus is healthy. Life of the vine is flowing into the branches. If the branch is connected, a healthy branch will produce fruit. You, you get where I'm going out with this? Your life will produce fruit from the life of God in you, meaning it's God in you that spills out of you. What fills, spills. It's gonna happen naturally. You almost can't keep it from happening. Your life will produce fruit. Now, you might not know this. The very first miracle of Jesus, Jesus and his closest friends and followers, the disciples, along with some of his family, they were, they were passing through, they, they went to a wedding in a village called Cana. Now, in a village, a wedding is, and, and this is true in, across that region today. In, in small villages, a wedding is an entire community function. It's a, it's a big, uh, huge village celebration. Everybody gets together and just celebrates and parties, and the, 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 the groom and the family pays for the whole thing. So they get to feed the whole, the whole community for that day. Uh, and so on this particular day, Jesus and his friends and family, they show up at this wedding. Everybody is celebrating and feasting and they run out of wine. I, I think it was Peter. Maybe it was James or Judas. Probably James and John. They were the sons of thunder. But regardless, they run out of wine. And here's the deal. What we don't get, because it's a different context, different culture, is you're talking about a shame honor culture. When you do something honorable, your reputation, it carries with you your whole life. You do something shameful and it's like a curse on you and your whole family the rest of your life. And so for them to run out of wine was like this dramatic shame moment. It would have brought shame on the whole family. Certainly shame on the bride and groom. And, and Jesus, Mother Mary says, Jesus, they ran out of wine. Basically, that's not my problem. And then he kicks in to his moment. He doesn't do much. All it says is that nearby, there were six stone jars. Now, these jars would have been jars that could hold about 20 to 30 gallons of water. And he simply said, fill them up with water. So the people working the party, working the wedding, they filled them up with water. And he simply said, draw out of it and bring it to the host. They take a ladle. They draw it out, they take a cup, they bring it over to the host. The host drinks and he's shocked. You, you save the best wine for last. I mean, this is like late in the party and you save the best for last. Jesus didn't make a scene. I don't even, it doesn't say that he said a word about water become wine. No, no, no. He didn't have to. It happened. The water became wine at a wedding in Cana. 
It was Jesus' very first miracle. And it's a miracle that he continues to do today. Why should it surprise us that Jesus has the ability to turn water into wine when he does it every season? That's right. Every season, the water comes up through the roots, goes into the branches, produces fruit. Grapes become wine. Every season, God is turning water into wine. Every season, he's doing the same miracle he did in Cana by converting water into wine. What does he want to do in your life? He wants to take the living water of Jesus in you, and he wants to produce the wine of the, the fruit that comes out of you. God wants to do a miracle in your life. That's right. Every time you, you do a good work, you are producing fruit. It's a miracle. It's the water into wine. Now, I, I had this thought that any time there's lack at the wedding, they ran out of wine and there was lack and there was shame. Listen to me. I fear that the celebration that should be going on in our communities lacks the wine that's produced from the fruit in our lives. And when our community does not encounter when it starts running out of the wine that should be flowing from the fruit of the church, there's shame. Our streets run with shame. Our churches have shame. Our Christian lives have shame where there's a lack of fruit. Now, I'm not saying this to shame you. I'm encouraging you that God wants to do a miracle in your life of turning water into wine where he wants to allow, where he's asking you, would you allow the living water of Jesus to run in you, to flow through you, to produce fruit in your life? That from the roots, there's fruit. What good, what good does God want to do in you that he wants to produce through you? So I want to continue to read here and look at it this way. John Chapter 15, verse five and verse eight says this. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't produce fruit on your own. This is my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is to the father's glory. Not this. Not, not that one grape isn't good. One grape's great. Mm. I've been wanting to do that the whole time since I saw this huge bowl of grapes. This is to the Father's glory. You and I, we are called to good works. What is the fruit of our life? It's good works. The wine that should run from the grapes produced from our life that comes from the water, the living water of Jesus that produces the, the fruit, the miracle of water and the wine, you and I are called to good works. The fruit that comes from our life, the fruit that's produced from the root is good works. You have two types of fruit that you see from this story. You have the, you have the fruit of the life of God. This is when we act more like Jesus. When you, when you say the right thing, you respond in a kind way. That's a miracle of water becoming wine. When you, when you are selfless, when you wanted to be selfish, that's the miracle of water becoming wine. When you, when you, are gener when you, um, when you don't react in anger, but you speak softly, water to wine. 
When you are self-controlled, when you want to give into that urge, it's water to wine. It's the fruit of God's love in you. It's the fruit of God's spirit in you producing the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. But then there's a second kind of fruit. It's not just good in you. It's good out of you. It's the good works. When you care for someone who is hurting, who is hard to love, it's water becoming wine. That's a miracle. When you give generously, when you wanted to hoard and be greedy, that's a miracle of water becoming wine. When you agreed to serve, when you wanted to be served, when you serve without demanding to be served, that's a miracle. When you gave up your time, you had something you wanted to do or get something done and you were willing to go and help someone else, that's the miracle of water into wine. That's the fruit of God coming from the roots in your life. God wants to not only produce good in you, he wants to produce good through you. He wants to produce the fruit of the spirit in your life and he wants to empower you to begin to do what's good. And there's one other piece of this that's vitally important. And that is that the good works that we do becomes good words. It's good speech. It's good witness. Meaning a major part of the fruit that God wants to come out of our lives is eternal fruit where we are sharing our story with others of how Jesus changed our life and inviting others to experience his love. When you tell someone your story of how Jesus changed your life, that's a miracle. You demonstrated water becoming wine. When, when you share the story of Jesus with someone, you tell them the gospel of Jesus. That's the miracle of water becoming wine. That's good fruit from your life. When you, when you begin to serve and love and give in such a way that it matters for eternity, that's water into wine. That's the miracle of the fruit coming off the branches. How and in what way does God want to produce good in your life, good out of your life, and turn you into a good witness of him? I want to invite you, you get to be part of the church. And it's, so it's not just your fruit, right? It's, it's fruit and the life of the church coming together that, that should flow in our streets. Our church should be producing good fruit, meaning every one of us in our life produce good. As a result, as a church, we produce good fruit. And that, that wine, the, 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 mirror, the water into wine should flow into our streets, should flow into our neighborhoods, should flow from the church across our globe. Why does the church exist? Let me be very clear. I'm gonna be candid with you about why Lifehouse exists. When I'm thinking back, I cannot believe it. It's been almost 20 years. This year will be 19 years since we began, formally began LifeHouse. And I could tell you that the reason LifeHouse exists is this. We're called to be a church. Unchurched people want to attend. We want to be a church. Unchurched people love to attend. Hopefully when you first came, you were, if you weren't attending church, you, you loved being at LifeHouse. We, we want to create a compelling, irresistible experience and environment. We want, to, we want to preach and speak in such a way that it's life-changing, not just informing or inspiring. A church, unchurched people love to attend. That's why we do what we do, and we want to see people's lives change and hearts transform. We're a church called to be for our city. We're, we're for our city. And, and, and so every campus we start, every new church we start for our city, for our community, for our neighbors, for the hurting, for those trapped in human trafficking, for those in addictions, for those suffering in poverty and homelessness, for those trapped in greed, 
For those living, living hopeless, they have it all, but they have nothing because we're for our city. We're also a church that's for the church. That's right. One of our sayings is we want to be a best friend to the church. We, we want to help other churches. We want to start new churches. We want to support local churches. And then we're called to be a multiplying church. That means it's not just about what we're doing today. It's about the fruit falling back to the ground and producing new branches, right? New harvest, an apple tree that the apple falls, the seeds are, are planted, they begin to germinate and produce a new apple tree. That's right, our heart is to, that every person leads someone else to Jesus. Leaders train leaders, new life groups, start new life groups. As a church service grows in, in number, we start new church services. As a campus grows, we start new campuses. As the church is healthy and strong, we start new churches. We have a privilege of leading our network. We got 12 churches in our network and we've started many other churches and we've helped start more than 50 churches through Lifehouse. How? Because that's who we are. That's the fruit of our church. Now, I'm going to shift gears for a moment. I hope you're patient with me, but I felt like I had to say this and I wanted to work it into this sermon. So if you could just be gracious with me. It's been an issue weighing heavy on my heart now for about a year. And I, I feel like it ties into this idea of if, the, if we run out of wine at the wedding, there's shame. And this is in no way meant to shame anybody. But we've seen a lot of good fruit within Lifehouse. I, I, would, I would go like this. And the challenge we have, you know, when COVID hit, things changed dramatically. We had to shut down a campus. We closed services. We, we, but since then, we started a new campus. But I'll, I'll just say this. Since COVID uh, and, and after there, we have grown more than 40%. And I mean, we've grown every year. You could just say it was just like a bounce back. No, no. I mean, every year since, we've seen significant growth. I mean, in attendance, in, in the number of people getting baptized, people saying yes to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We've developed and recruited new leaders. We've started new groups. We're, we're seeing a rapid acceleration in the number of new life groups. We're seeing, I mean, we've seen a lot. I mean, an abundance of fruit. But there's one key area where we have not seen growth, and it's honestly, candidly, it's in our finances. And, and I've been having to make decisions now for a significant period of time behind the scenes that you wouldn't know about. And I realize that you wouldn't even know this is reality. Many of you, when you look around, you would think, no, everything's great, right? Because we're not gonna, we're not gonna put out in front of you the shame of running out of wine, right? But the reality, so we, we, because we wanna be a church for, that unchurched people love to attend, we wanna create a great and irresistible experience. We, we wanna do a great job with what we have. And so we don't whine about it, we don't complain about it. Also, we've been, I, I think the, Part of the reason, even though things have gotten very tight, um, we've been good stewards. We've cut where we could cut. We've, we've limited things. We've, we've had to, we, we have had to cut significantly in our budget. We've cut back ministries. We've had to tighten things up. Uh, candidly speaking, um, we've, we've not given raises now for several, for, uh, several years. Um, why? Because while all of our other metrics and numbers and, and seeing people's lives change have gone up, our giving stayed flat and then started to drop to the point where um, we have not increased our budget in three years, but we've had to cut our budget back. We actually cut about $5,000 a week out of our budget. So previously, I'm gonna have them put up a slide. Uh, previously, our budget was running at about $36,000, $37,000 a week. All right, so follow with me here. That's, that's to fully fund what we've, 
what we want to do, what we need to do. We had to cut that down. We've got it down to about $32,400 a week. That's what our expenses are. That's how we operate. But our current giving is at $27,500 a week. So the shortfall is $4,900. So for us to operate as we are, we need to see our giving go up $4,900 each week. Why, why am I saying this to you? Well, first, just to give you a Put it in that perspective, that, that's an increase of about $250,000 for the year or about a quarter of a million dollars. And you might go, well, how, then how have we even gotten to this point? Well, because we did a lot of cuts. We haven't increased our expenditures. We also have been really wise with our finances. We have amazing uh, business management team, finance leadership team, amazing elders willing to make difficult decisions. And as a result of good stewardship over several years, we had money in reserve. We had money in accounts that we could draw from to get us through a difficult season. But at this point, what we feel like is it's poor stewardship. It's not sustainable to continue to operate this way. And in reality is we can't operate this way. And so I felt like I needed to bring this to you. Here, here's why. Because you, you and I both know it only can go one of two directions. In, in your life, if, if you can't afford something, you'd either make more money or spend less. And so within LifeHouse, we've cut things down to the point where any other cuts would have a dramatic impact on the overall ministry of the church. And I thought that before I made those cuts, I would bring this to you. And as your pastor, just be vulnerable. You can and say, hey, I get it. Tough times, inflation has taken out of every one of our paychecks. So meaning the costs within the church have gone up, but giving has gone down. And so I just want to bring this in front of you and say, here's our option. Can I invite you? Can I encourage you to give, to cover this gap? Now, this is, this is a long-term thing, right? This isn't just you urgently going, okay, I can, I can give today. Like me, I'm asking you to give throughout this year. We got to cover this gap, and if we can do that, um, we cover the, the the current expenses throughout the year. Then we can continue to run as we are. If that gap isn't met, then we're going to have to cut the operating budget down to what's real, what's actually coming in. And I can assure you that what that means is we're going to have to cut, and it's going it's going to affect ministry as you know it. There's some things we cannot cut. There's some things we, we would have to cut. And so I'm just trying to be candid and vulnerable with you. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to respond in a real way. I want to talk for a moment about tithing. If you're currently not giving financially to a church, maybe you look around and you think, hey, they've got it all great. They don't need anything. I share my heart with you. I'm not begging. I'm asking you to give to the vision of LifeHouse. Giving, giving so that our, the church can be a church unchurched people love to attend. Giving so that the church can be for our city, that the church can be for the church, can be a multiplying church. Would you, if you're not giving, begin to give as fruit from the root? God's been pouring into your life his generosity. Would you allow that to express itself in your giving, in generosity? If you're giving, but you're not tithing, would you consider tithing? Tithing is a biblical word to simply describe setting aside 10% of what we have to God. Now, there are 10 clusters of grapes in here. So look at that. Um, what, what tithing means is I take one of those and I give it to God. God, this is yours. Now, every bit of fruit is God's. He produced it from the root of our life. He did the miracle of turning water into wine. It's all his. 
God is asking for every bit of our lives back. But when it comes to our finances, all he asks for is 10%. Would you make a commitment if you're not tithing? And here's the reality. In America, and it's true within Lifehouse, only about 8% of active churchgoers actually tithe. 8%. If we doubled that, there would be excess within Lifehouse. Would you prayerfully, and praying simply saying, God, give me the faith to begin tithing. Would you begin to tithe? Set aside 10% of your, of your income to God by giving to the church. And I would not apologize for encouraging you to give faithfully to the church because I believe this is the greatest investment you can ever make. I believe that when you give to the church, you're giving to life change. You're giving to eternity. You're making an incredible investment forever. So would you consider giving a tithe? If, if you are tithing, maybe right now, maybe you're the one, you can cut a check and you can make up the difference. You can write a check that could literally get us a long way down the road. Would you give above and beyond? I'm just asking you to do that. One of the ways that we've been able to continue to do what we do for our community is not through the operational giving, meaning through your regular giving, but through kingdom builders. And so I do want to take a final moment and talk briefly about kingdom builders. Kingdom builders is... um, our fund where we give above and beyond our, our giving, above and beyond our tithing. So we give this to God. That's to the church. That's so, the, so the church can do what the church does. So we could be the church. Kingdom Builders is all of the efforts, projects, work we do outside of the church. That's our local efforts and for our city and church planting and community impact. It's what we do in impacting the next generation of wanting to see younger children coming to faith in Jesus Christ, wanting to raise up the next generations of pastors and leaders. And it's what we do globally in church planting, global relief efforts, missions, projects, all of that's done through Kingdom Builders. And There are some of you who've given above and beyond in Kingdom Builders. And everything you've seen us do in 2023 happened because some of you gave to Kingdom Builders. Can I encourage you? If you're giving above and beyond, this is specifically to that group. Would you consider making a commitment to Kingdom Builders this year? Because we're still, we're not giving up on the community impact, on the next generation impact, on the global impact we can have. Even in seasons of lack, in seasons of of limit, We're going to continue to invest in kingdom builders. And so would you give above and beyond, make a commitment to kingdom. You you gave in the miracle offering. This one is just about making the commitment. I'm not asking you to give money right now. I'm asking you, would you just commit to this year giving to kingdom builders? I, I knew that I wanted to just come and share my heart with you. Here's what I believe. I believe that when you give, you give by faith. When we give by faith, we're exercising a faith muscle. And I believe that some of you are gonna step out in faith today, this week, this month, as you begin to give, you're gonna begin to step out in faith this year and you're gonna begin to experience something in relationship with God that you otherwise never would have. Because when you exercise your faith, something changes. And so I wanna pray for faith into our church, faith into your life, because God wants to do a, a miracle of turning water into wine and that takes faith. Would you allow me to pray over you? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the the miracle work you did in our life. You did a root transplant. We've got the life of Jesus in us. And because of the life of Jesus in us, what fills, spills. And the life of Jesus that's in our root produces fruit. And so God, would the fruit of good works begin to come out of us? Would it flourish in us? Would it flow 
from our church. And now, God, I pray for the spirit of faith to envelop our church. For every single person right now, begin to fill and saturate their heart with faith. Begin to exercise that faith in generosity. Begin to exercise that faith in giving and doing good works. And God, that we would see abundance in the harvest as a result of these beautiful steps of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you for being willing to listen to me, allow me to share my heart with you. I share what's been heavy on my heart. I'm praying that you would respond generously, that you would respond to the vision of God in the church and begin to fill, fill the need, but also begin to allow the fruit to be produced in your life. And so now with that, can I invite you to stand with me and we're just gonna worship God. We're gonna worship God for what he's done and what he's going to do, that he is our firm foundation. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.